Welcome to the Veritas Equipping Podcast, a podcast designed to provide insight, resources, and biblical wisdom. Our mission as Veritas Church is raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God. Join us as we pursue Jesus to become mature disciples and effective disciple makers for God's glory. Veritas, welcome to our Equipping Podcast. Uh, this is Jake. I'm here with three of our pastors, Michael, Jordan, and Matthew. And we just finished up a series on prayer. And each of us took a sermon in that series, so we're here to talk about that a little bit. Uh, why don't you guys say what's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? What's up? All right. Before we just jump right in, quick update. What's new in your life? We had our second uh, broken bone uh, out of our kids. Um, so our little one, one-year-old, missed a step going up play set, broke her wrist in a cast above her elbow. The worst thing about it, though, is not, well, yes, she broke her arm, but she sucks on her left two fingers to comfort her when she goes mm. to sleep, and now she can't bend her elbow to get her <laughs> fingers to her mouth. So it was a long night last night. Is she become ambidextrous with her finger that's what sucking? i'm praying for yeah that she would be that's so, your prayer request yeah, that's my prayer request because <laughs> this whole thing is about being selfish and everything right so um it's just interesting not that she'll stop sucking her fingers but that she'll be able to switch to the other hand totally yeah, totally or it. figure out a pacifier at this point in her life or something there you go is do you know that she's left-handed no, well, i don't know if she's right or left-handed sure. but she just likes the left two fingers I get it. I mean, she has five fingers, but she likes two of them all. <laughs> well, it's a right hand person. I just keep sucking on my right hand thumb. Wow, dude. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> to What's the State Farm commercial right. where you're like being too personal? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you don't need to tell us that. <laughs> yeah. You got a bike ride coming up. Got a bike ride coming up. We're riding from Kentucky to Louisiana. So as a family. So we're really excited about doing that. So yeah. how many miles is that? I think it's 428. Wow. So, depending on how it goes. I don't really want to drive 428 miles, let alone right away. We're going to pedal down the uh, Mississippi River levee. There's a trail that goes through the whole entire state of Arkansas. So, yeah, we're excited. That'll be good to get out of Dodge for a while and to ride a bike for a while. I've seen uh, your bike seat. I I don't think I could do it that long. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of jokes that we could go there with that, um, but you know, buns of steel help a lot. <laughs> What's new in your life, Jordan? Uh, we have a couple of birthdays coming up. Ellie's birthday and Leo's birthday are both in September, and so going to an Iowa Cubs baseball game, going to the zoo in Des Moines, eating some good food. That's about it. I mean, we have fall retreat season coming up with Salt Company. Yeah, uh, I'm helping out with Iowa Cities, which will be fun this month, and then ours is the first weekend in October. So Sweet. excited to get away for camp life. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Camp life is good. What about you, Jake? Uh, well, the big news in our family is we have uh, a lot of changes. So my oldest got married in May, uh, and then Johnny, my our middle child, uh, went off to college. So it's just us and and rooster at home uh and the house feels it's different it's it's an adjustment so but we had them all back uh, over labor day weekend smoked brisket it was good did you send them all out again or did you miss them both both yeah there you go both good answer yeah is rudy doing okay (laughs) yeah i think there was a moment where she's just like oh it 
I'm stuck with just you two. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also a moment for mom and dad. It's like, oh, we're stuck with just you. Let's figure this out. Yeah, but we're having fun. It's, when you're thinking about time. moving out, yeah. <laughs> what's it looking like? Uh, oh, but man. it's a good adjustment. So in this series, we each took a message. We had a four-week series on prayer. Uh, just tell us uh, quickly what what was your message? Um, what did you preach on in this series? Give people a reminder. I taught Luke ten two, uh, talking about prayers for the lost and just recognizing that the harvest is plentiful. Jesus wasn't joking or lying when he said that. There's a lot of people ready to repent, and the first invitation he gives us is to pray and pray earnestly, be a people that seek the Lord of the harvest with passion. Mm. And I taught on unhindered prayers, kind of anchoring out of James four one through ten, and just well, you know, what does it look like to be a prayer, and where does sin come into play? Uh, it damages our relationship with God, and God says in a few places He doesn't hear the prayers of those who live in sin. Mm. I talked about uh, how to pray. So from Matthew six, don't pray like the hypocrites, don't pray like the Gentiles, uh, but let's pray like Jesus. Who, uh, when your prayer life, uh, when you pray like that, it reveals that you're living. Uh, not for other people, not for yourself, but living for the Lord. Mm. Yeah, I spoke on the power of prayer in Mark 9, where the disciples were unable to cast out a demon and a boy, and uh, Jesus said, this kind only comes out through prayer, and how a lack of prayer can limit, limit ministry. And that. So, mm-hmm. that. so we all know, as people who preach, that sometimes, not sometimes, most often when you have to work through studying a text, you probably the one that learns the most or gets mm-hmm. unpacked. So, um, or as people who love the Word of God, we love when it's taught anywhere, whether mm-hmm. we're teaching it or not. We just want to see the Word of God come alive in our lives. So, whether it's your message or another message in this series, or both, what where were you personally challenged, or what did you walk away really holding on to, Jake? I think. When you just mentioned it, that this kind can only be driven out by prayer. I have said that um, many times since that sermon. Mm. And this is this is this kind. I can't go run other places. Mm. I can't uh, try to figure out how to fix this on my own. Like this kind, I got to pray about because God's going to have to do something significant. And so, um, yeah, those two words alone have impacted me tremendously since then um whether it's something you know things going on at home things going on at church uh, man this kind is going to have to be completely covered with prayer so that the lord does his work because it's beyond anything that i can accomplish Hmm. yeah i think it it set the tempo for this season uh to just understand the scary reality that most of us don't really slow down to recognize, which is there is a kind of ministry that can happen without prayer. And most people probably wouldn't even bat an eye at it, hmm. but it's it's of no eternal significance. And that should freak us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it just heightened my awareness heading into Salt Company kickoff season of just like, man, let's drive this home. Mm-hmm. We, we don't want to draw crowds. We want to encounter God mm-hmm. and we want to see him do what only he can do. But um, I think, yeah, preparing for my message was just struck by my lack of persistence in prayer. And um, yeah, that sometimes praying with passion is not an emotional outcrying, but it is just day after day, week after week, praying for the same people and Mm -hmm. praying the same prayers, but praying in faith, 
I know, Matthew, you touched on that of just like, man, what's from the book of James? Like, you do not have because you do not ask or you ask with the wrong motives. Like, mm. am I going through the motions or do I actually believe God can yeah. save these people? Mm, so, yeah. I determined that I, after hearing all the messages, I was guilty. So, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I think what stood out, Michael, when you go to the, the Lord's Prayer, I mean, that's kind of the focus. And then thinking about the Gentiles' prayer and the hypocrites' prayer. And what I took out of that just in practical application is just trying to set aside a time to 10 minutes. And man, has it been crazy hard. 10 minutes a day just to more formally pray. I would say that I'm, I pray continually in my head and just up as meetings come up or as different decisions need to be made. Um, in my head, but just trying to be more formal about it. That's just what, where the spirit led me in that. And, um, it has been incredibly difficult in the battle in the last couple of weeks. And then I think from just the study on the message I preach and unhindered prayers is like, in a sense, like, where is that line? Like, I want to lean into holiness. I'm not looking for the line to figure out where I can slack off, but, but just leaning in on, on this issue of sin and the kind of the closets in my life. And what does it look like to be, continuously confessing sin and uh, pushing toward that right relationship with the Lord and then others as well. And mm. that was a continuously very difficult, convicting thing. Mm. Jake, oh. is, you have you kind of crafted, let out in crafting the sermon series. You don't you only preach one of them. Like what kind of impacts you as you hear from each of us and the Lord's work in like Okay, you had maybe this ideal of what it could look like and how it turned out. What impacted you in that? Yeah, I mean, I I love um, I love to teach the Bible, but I also just love sitting under the Bible too. Like whenever it's taught, it's exciting, and um, I could say for each of your sermons, it was um, impactful in a way that just kind of seeing the Word of God come to life. Um, when we set the series out, it was just a desire to see our church grow in prayer and have uh, a season, not just a series, but a season of intentional prayer. Um, and some of the principles that I wanted to see come out did, and that's what was exciting of um, learning how to pray. The idea that prayers could be hindered, um, that's a challenging text, mm-hmm. and like our our lives and how we live them matters, and it affects our prayer life. The impact of the lost and how we need to be doing that. So it was, it was really stirring to my own soul of like, let's go. Let's let's be a praying church. Let's yeah. be a praying people. Yeah. This matters. It's a big deal. I'm Jordan, I remember your illustration, and we talked about it in teachers' meeting a few weeks. So I was like ready for it um, in your sermon, and you didn't do it till the end. So I was like the whole mm. time, I was like, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? And the way you did it was awesome. Um, but that story of D.L. Moody and the yeah. list of people uh, that he prayed for at, at was 100 and then like yeah. 96 or 97, then the other three at, at his funeral. Yeah. And I told the story of um, my wife's grandpa and how he prayed mm-hmm. for all of us every day. Yeah. And and I, you cannot convince me that his prayer life has not had a profound impact on our family and our life. And then just really believing that prayer makes a difference, like persistent, like your story of D.L. Moody, like every day I'm praying for these people and you see it. And then grandpa praying every day for our family and our kids and everything. And you see God's hand in Mm -hmm. that. And then, so I was, 
I think the the sucker punch conviction that I wasn't expecting, because um, I was like, yes, as a church, let's grow in prayer, was those two things saying, Jake, you need to be, you need to be grandpa. You need to be what grandpa was for us, hmm. for yeah. my kids and grandkids, and you need to start now. Hmm. And it's a really big deal. And that was like, oh, yeah. Like, and I pray for... Um, I would say I pray for my family almost every day. <laughs> and I want to be able to say for I pray for my family every day. Yeah. Um so and the church and the lost and have a list and be persistent. So that was like my own personal mm-hmm. sweet punch in the face by yeah. the spirit of God. Yeah. <laughs> Hurts so good. It hurts so good. <laughs> it was like, oh man, I love it. Uh, yeah. may I have another. Yeah. It's great. Uh, that's just that was super convicting because just yeah thinking about praying for family every day or being persistent in praying for anything other than my own survival as the mm. situations come and the situations go and just yeah leaning into that too but even begging I mean we are well aware theologically in our heads that it is by the Spirit that anything happens and He invites us to come to Him and just that was, was and th- those examples of D.L. Moody. Uh, Marcy's grandfather, I reference from that uh, book, Power Through Prayer, uh, Edward Payson, a, a pastor from um, the Northeast many years ago, uh, had word grooves into his hardwood floor mm-hmm. where he prayed so often. And, and what, how amazing would it to be? We, if, you know, years after we're gone, somebody's writing a history about veritas and like those type of stories start coming out that nobody else knew like oh man there's hardwood floors that are have significant grooves because of the people praying at veritas or there's so many lists of a hundred lost people that Mm. are now in the kingdom because of that like that would be incredible and we may never know that yeah you know but even the challenge of what we're called to as pastors was really convicting because i think being a pragmatist, it's like, what do we need to get done? What are the problems we need to solve? What are the areas we need to improve? And I know personally I can just get so easily consumed in that. And I want to solve problems. I want to come up with solutions. But like when um, several of us references, I think the um, in Act 6 where ministry got more complex, the apostles assigned it to other people because they said, I need to stay devoted to the word and prayer mm-hmm. and just seeing that um, the level of importance that should be a part of our role in praying um, was convicting as it's well. It's so countercultural, though, right? Oh, like, yeah. Like, let's work hard. Let's solve the problems. Let's get the things done that everybody can see when the ministry of the apostles was like the word and prayer. Nobody's going to see these things, and it seems like you're probably being unproductive. Right yes. Now. Yeah. And I can idolize productivity. Right. But to think an hour of praying as unproductive is so arrogant. Oh, yeah. yes. It's so arrogant. And if we really believe, oh, this kind can only come out through prayer, yeah. to be like, well, we didn't really pray. We, yeah. we yeah. strategized, we planned, we came up with you know promotions. Oh, or we whatever. opened the meeting in prayer. We opened we opened And closed it. We closed the meeting. I mean, yeah, totally. Why do you think prayer... And may, maybe I'm making an assumption that you would disagree with. So if you disagree with it, let's have that conversation. But the assumption is most uh, Christians probably have bad prayer lives. Yeah. Why do you think that is? 
I think that there's a, a level of self-protection when it comes to our faith, um, where the idea of what if I talk to God and it doesn't go the way I want it to, and it's like, is does that challenge our own faith? Um, and I don't remember which of you had brought it up, but yeah, throughout the entire series, just understanding that prayer is about intimacy and closeness to God, not just mm-hmm. getting something from Him. But there is a reality in a relationship. Like I think of like me with my kids, and some of the built trust is through them asking, and sometimes it's me saying no, and sometimes it's me saying yes. But I think we want God to fit inside our box, mm-hmm. and we're almost afraid to ask for big things, so we pray safe prayers, or we just decide not to pray, so then if something doesn't go our way, we we can put the blame on us rather than Do you feel like we almost have to protect God in that? Because yeah. he might not do that, and I don't want to put him on the spot. For sure. Mm-hmm. And though people might not say it, I think that that's true in mm-hmm. our prayer lives. Which is interesting. The We, we didn't hit these two parables in this series, but... Uh, when Jesus taught about the persistent widow, you know, going to the judge or the neighbor at the middle of the night, those parables on how to pray, there's a um, there's almost like an obnoxiousness that he's asking for. Yeah. And God is not uh, a stubborn judge or a, a tired neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not the point yeah. of the parable. The point of the parable is this is how you ought to approach him. And if a stubborn judge or a sleeping neighbor will do it, how much more will a loving father do that? Yeah. But the, still the call is like, knock, keep pleading, mm-hmm. beg. I I feel that sometimes too. It's like, well, I don't want to ask God to do something he might not do. Mm-hmm. Or but it's he doesn't need defense. Yeah. We need we need to pray passionately. But I think it's our own laziness too. Like I mean, I think of the disciples when Jesus says like, hey, you guys join me in prayer. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they all fall asleep. Like, mm. It takes some discipline. It takes some hard work to pray. Again, because if you go back to the American productivity thing, it's like, I'm not seeing anything. This is kind of boring, maybe, you mm. know, if it's not this like intimate relational connection. And then you're like, uh, I got something better to do. Mm-hmm. Versus talk to our Heavenly Father, yeah. which is just like ridiculous when you say that out loud. Like, I've got something better than talk to my Creator. Like, yeah. 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 So, but like, I think a lot of it ties into with that Mark 9 text, too. Like, hey, if you can, like, if I can, like, I, I believe, help my unbelief. And then thinking of, I think that's what it reveals in my heart. When I don't pray, I don't believe. I don't believe that God could do or will do. And then, Often then you go to James 1 and then it's like, but I'm asking for the wrong reasons, yeah. you know, like, I I don't believe you're going to do this because I think you know my hard attitude, you know, yeah. so I'm just not going to bother. And then and then obviously that separates to this desire of us being able to like lean into God and have relationship with God, commune with God and and be with God. Yeah. And, and you, I don't believe. Jordan, you pointed that out too, is do we really believe the fields are ripe for harvest mm-hmm. and that God can save them. Because mm-hmm. that's that's motivating to pray when you look out and be like, oh yeah, God can bring in this harvest. Well, yeah. Maybe the lack of prayer is a lack of faith. Laziness is convicting. I've been reading some on uh, John Wesley re- recently and other Puritans where you hear about their prayer life and you're just like, oh... <laughs> Yeah. Like hours a day. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And I, I mean, not to sound like a old, uh, old stubborn, grumpy guy, but even in my own life, how much of it is not, it's just, it's Netflix. It's TV. It's phone, like little distractions. And I'm thinking the advantage that they had where it's like, you came home and you didn't have TV to turn on. You either read, you prayed, you had a conversation. And I wonder like, how is technology sometimes numbing our spiritual life or killing our prayer life? Yeah. Before the advent of the light bulb in the internet. Yeah. Like, man, it'd get dark. What are you going to do? Like, yeah, you're not tired. Pray. Yep. That's what our kids come down. I'm. I'm not tired. Lay in your bed and pray. <laughs> You'll go to sleep. Um, true. True statement. But I'm just wondering, like, yeah, do we do we just go to our screens mm-hmm. uh, more often than than prayer? Yeah, Piper has a quote. He says, uh, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. Oh man. And that sticks you right in the heart. But yeah. just that opportunity to turn on YouTube and just hang out and just numb my mind or lean into my maker and just I don't I, I go to the other one. You know, entertain me, numb my pain in a sense for a moment or just help my brain go numb rather than leaning into the one who can who calls me to come to him when I'm weary and heavy laden. That's an indictment. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But how do, how do we get beyond that? Because I think even everybody listening could be like, yeah, I probably go, I turn on that TV too quickly or I haven't prayed. Like, okay, if there's a shared conviction, how do we get beyond it? I think one thing we've talked with at Salt Company for really like the last year is like our affections aren't too great but too small. I don't remember who the theologian was. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, yeah. Uh, where he's like, yeah, it's not that our affections are too great, it's that they're too small. Like, we're far too easily pleased. And when you can actually start to verbalize, like, oh, you just want to settle? And, like, none of us really want to settle in life or being being told that we're settling. Um, but to offer a greater invitation, not just, like, shaming us into, like, mm-hmm. get off your screens, but, like, an invitation to something more big mm-hmm. and more beautiful and more enjoyable. And then to just say, okay what if I just committed to like doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I think we want desire to come before discipline. And sometimes it's like the discipline leads to an increased desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, if we will take God at his word, commit to being disciplined, how might he stoke our affections mm-hmm. to actually like buy into the fact that this is more big and beautiful. And mm-hmm. I would just say, start small. Like you don't have to have DL Moody's 100 person list like just write down one name and commit to one day like you know i'm gonna take one minute today like i know it seems like when you hear these stories i'm like there's no groove gonna be in the hardwood floor if i take one minute a day but i'm taking one minute a day Mm -hmm. to pray for somebody who the lord might already have you know so start small hey i'm gonna i'm gonna you know for us we're gonna put the kids down for bed and then we're gonna take five, ten minutes to pray together before we start doing something else. And hopefully that five, ten minutes becomes 15, 20 minutes, becomes 30 minutes, 45 minutes an hour. That would be amazing if I can look back decades and go, man, we started praying for five minutes a night, and now I can't, like, it's hard for me to quit praying after two hours. Mm. I'm not even close to that, right? (laughs) But that would be amazing to get to. I think you make a great point on sometimes our prayer life is bad because of, the idealism we have in our mind of 
prayer. So it's the same thing. It's like, cause preachers give like these amazing, these idealistic amazing illustrations, examples. right? Yeah. We're just pillars of like, you can't live up to, uh, no, not us, the people we said in the illustration, like yeah. the DL Moody's totally. Yeah. Uh, but there is a sense of idealism where you think I got to get up at four. I got to pray for two hours. I got to make a list of a hundred names. I got, and then you try, it's just like some, it's like, I'm going to get into biking. So they buy the nice bike and they get the, spandex or whatever you guys wear on that trip and then it's Singlet. like a mile was hard you know you or you, people talk about a runner's high or you know never working out that. yeah never, <laughs> never um, but you have to like when you start out it's hard but you get to a place where it's like i enjoy getting on my bike and going for a 20 mile ride or i enjoy yeah. going for a run or i enjoy doing those things but that didn't happen you developed that and i yeah. think the same thing if you don't start manageable. You just jump in and get discouraged, and then you quit. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like a diet. You know, it's like oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go from eating whatever I want to only eating fruits and vegetables, and it's like you can just crash after yep. three days instead of starting in a manageable, sustainable pace. You talked about in the series Gospel Pathway on like training and trying. You know, like all of us try and we we lean in, and then after a couple of weeks, we burn out. And the the issue, like, I just love the illustration of a sport. Like, when you start up in the fall, <clears throat> when you start up in the fall or post the holiday season, those first two weeks are hard. Why, why do we expect a ha- spiritual habit to just come to us, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think... I think one of the starting things is recognizing that it's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort and you might fail. And then you master that restart. You come back in and you try again. And secondly, I start with a growing your view of God, which happens, I think, through his word. Like if he's big enough to take your desires, then lean, lean into knowing who he is and what he's capable of. I love the story of the Israelites, right? This God, whether they wanted it or not, provided manna. This God's spread the Red Sea. I'm not going, you know, chronologically there, but um, he provided the meat, he provided the water. And you look at that and like, okay, so what, you know, he is a sustainer, he is relational, like what, in what ways does he do that now? Or doesn't he do that? You know, and I would say he does and leaning into like, so what, how can he provide for me in this week, in this situation, in this work thing, you know, and then I think starting in a third way, um, leaning into that prayer that the Lord prayed and taught us to pray, like leaning into that and wondering like, how does that flesh out in my life or within my family too? So as pastors in this church, what are, what are hopes that you would have for our congregations, um, when it comes to growing to be a people of prayer? I would hope that our personal prayer lives would shape our corporate church. That it's, we, yes, we're having a, a night of prayer and worship coming up, you know, to kind of culminate this. Um, but we don't have, and those are always wonderful nights. Everybody loves those nights. Um, and we always get requests to do more of them. Why would we not do this more? Because we, like, we don't have to do the big thing. Like, we just want, People simply praying, mm. simply talking to God, and seeing our church grow because of the faithful prayers, God, God's grace through those faithful prayers. Uh, that's something I would just love for our church. That Man, we're just a church committed to prayer, and we may never know how many people are actually doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think through, uh, didn't get into it a ton with my message, but 
in Luke, um, Jesus is about to send the 72 out. And the first thing he tells them to do is pray to the Lord of the harvest. But then the first word in verse 3 is go. And I think as we just look at our mission statement and say we want to raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God, um, that if we would start as a people that recognize that the harvest is ripe, that we're invited to pray to the Lord of the harvest, that we would also be sent, uh, of course, sent into our community, but also just thinking about, man, over 3 billion people on the other side of the world. What would happen if we started praying for the Thai people or our missionaries in Taiwan? I believe that there would be people that, if they're committed to praying for it, the Lord would sweep them up to not just pray for laborers, but to be a laborer Mm -hmm. on the other side of the world or across the nation, Um, just seeing this overflow into mission. Mm. That's a a powerful connection in that text of the call to pray followed by the call to go. And the challenge, if you are unwilling, not, not whether you would or not, like if you're called or not, but if you are unwilling to go, um, the question you ought to ask is, how's my prayer life? Mm-hmm. Because I bet if you begin to pray in faith of the Lord of the harvest, God grows in excitement of anticipation of what can happen. Um, I think it's a great point of like our go. If we want to be a sending church, we need to first be a praying church. Yeah, and there's a there is a connection between a willingness to go that has been born out of an active prayer life. Yep. And you talk about anybody who can change your will, just growing closer to the Lord and seeing the possibilities through it too. And I think a lot of us are hindered. I'd love to see the application of really addressing our sin in our life. I mean, there are things where we're great in seven areas and we're hiding another seven and just come clean, come clean, be free. Like don't call out to God from the wayside in the bushes. You can be free of that. He made a way for us to be free. You can then approach the throne of God shamelessly and you can ask for more of him. It's not just that we pray for stuff, but we can ask him for more faith. We can ask him for those foundational things that will help us pray for our nation, help us pray for our neighbors, help us um, speak words boldly. Mm -hmm. We can ask him for those foundational things before we ask him to do the things. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that's a sweet part of his invitation to come in and pray, like be free, be shameless. You come before his throne and boldly ask for more faith to believe in his throne and his foundation. And then you can ask him, hey, change my neighbor's heart. Hey, Lord, I need this thing in my family. And you can ask rightly. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, uh, practically a hope for our church is, um, one, we'd figure out maybe how to make prayer more of a consistent time in our worship gatherings, Mm -hmm. Um, that it would become more normal part of our connection groups, that if somebody came to our church on a Sunday, got into a connection group, they'd be like, oh, these people really believe in prayer. Like, it's just a part of the rhythms to kind of make that more prominent. Um, a few of us mentioned an individual in our sermons who we would all say is just a mighty prayer warrior in our church mm-hmm. who walks the halls, who shows up on Thursday nights to pray. My hope would be to get more of those. That, that would um, We could list not a few individuals, but a bunch of yeah. individuals that, oh, they're we know that they're walking and praying or we, yeah. when we see them, we know that they have that minute and there's no sign up sheet for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, it's, it's just, it's a not call. a thing. It's yeah. Just, when are we starting our prayer, prayer ministry? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just go do that's it. what we pray. do. Pray. Yeah. 
pray. And that's the thing. If you're listening and be like, well, I would love to do that. Just, just do it. Do it. Show up. Uh, stay in other service. Pray. We need that. And there are, um, like Michael pointed out earlier, that there's types of ministry that just can't be done without prayer. And see that as a valuable way to serve this church. And I would just encourage anybody listening, you be that person. Be one of those people that is just going to commit to uh, being a prayer warrior at our church. Yeah. What resources, if someone's saying, hey, I just want to grow in my understanding of prayer uh, or as a person of prayer, any resources you'd point to people? I mean, one of my favorite, I know several of you guys listen to it as well, is Pray the Word with David Blatt. It's a podcast. It's typically five minutes a day. Uh, It's issued right in the morning. Uh, You can hop on. And David Platt is a pastor who uh, opens up. He's praying scripture from his personal reading plan. And on the tail end of every one of those, he's praying for a specific unreached people group. And so I think it's like, oh, I can pray the scriptures and pray for unreached people groups. It's like, yeah. And it takes less than five minutes of Mm -hmm. your day. So really accessible. Yeah, Jordan and I both mentioned the book Power Through Prayer by Ian e. Bounds. Uh, at one point, you could get it free, like a free download of a PDF. Um, they have other copies as well. But uh, that was a book that I was pointed to actually by David Platt in seminary. Um, and it was it was transformative to my prayer life. So I would encourage you. It's really short, easy. A book I found helpful on prayer specifically was um, praying the Bible. And we had that in our resource center. And that is a, just a great foundational book. If you're looking for like, well, what do I pray relationally to God? I found that tremendously helpful. I read a book recently, um, on Richard Wormbrandt, a missionary or not a missionary, a pastor in Romania as the Nazis were there. And as the communists took over and his book wasn't specifically on prayer, but it was a biography of his life and how he prayed in the various prison camps he was in. And that one was really powerful, really powerful story. Mm. So, Yeah, I recently read uh, Praying with Paul, a call to spiritual reformation by D.A. Carson. Um, and D.A. Carson is brilliant and often dry, in my opinion, like listening to him preach. I love the book. Um, I was surprised how much I loved the book. It was it, She just works through the different prayers of Paul yeah. in the epistles, and it was super insightful and encouraging. Yeah, we also have Global Prayer, third Sunday of each month during the 11 o'clock service. I know that that's been happening for a while now. Um, we would all probably say under-attended for a church of our size, but a sweet opportunity if you're just looking for a rhythm to say, man, I want to get in a room, I want to pray with other people about the nations, mm-hmm. hear updates about Missionaries we're supporting, uh, pray for salt company, summer teams, that sort of thing. Uh, third Sunday of every month during our 11 o'clock service. Mm, that's that's good. a good idea. I know I don't, I often want to keep in the forefront of my mind the unreached people's group. I mean, I think for me, sometimes when you talk about unreached, when you talk about three billion, the, the walls go up and the eyes glaze over. But that might be a good opportunity for some of us who might struggle with that to jump in. It's once a month and just to have your mind awakened to what is happening over there. And then especially with our teams going over there, we can both pray and hear results of like, how did God provide and go? So that might be a great opportunity. Oh, for sure. I was on the phone last night with Clint and from Thailand. He's in Thailand right now. And the last thing he said when we got off, it's like, thank, thank you so much for your guys' prayers. Like it mm-hmm. matters. 
uh, just for them to know you are being lifted up uh, to our great God in prayer is a, is a big deal. So definitely uh, begin to engage in that way. Any other final thoughts of encouragement to our church when we kind of, we're leaving behind this series on prayer, but we're not leaving behind prayer. We want this to continue to just be a part of our culture. What would you, how would you challenge our people? It's hard to sum it up into one thing. I, I mean, at the very basic thing without trying to manipulate or trying to guilt people in, but talk to the Lord. Like there's an invitation He's made a way through our shame and guilt and our sin that we can approach his throne and we can communicate with the creator of the entire universe about all our stuff and about who he is. And we can invite him to help us in our weakness. And so generally pray. Yeah. And let's run to him first Uh, instead of running to all these other places to figure out how to fix things. Like let's be a church that, our first thought is, man, I got to talk to God about this. Yeah, yeah, not, uh, not just talk to my spouse, not to make a phone call, send a text message, look on Google. Like, just, man, I want to talk to God. Yeah. I think one thing that comes to mind talking with a friend of mine in Connection Group is the power of actually praying for people. And when a situation is brought up, to just be willing to stop and be inconvenienced inconvenience enough to say, can I pray for that right now? Yeah. And to put a hand on their shoulder and to pray out loud That's over right. them. Um, I think I've been guilty of this. I've been on the receiving end of it of people just, they might even say, how can I pray for you? And then it's like, all right. And they walk away. Um, and I've done that before. Or I've told people, hey, I'll pray for you. But then I forget. And it's like, what if we just stopped right then and what? prayed? Let's make that more normal. So was it last Football season when that player got uh, had a heart attack, a heart mm-hmm. failure yeah. on the field, and all the news. It, like in moments like that, there was like our prayers are with so and so, our prayers, with, and they just move on. And that one ESPN commentator is like, "Can I just pray now?" Yeah. And it kind of made was so sweet. It was like, but doing that took a lot of courage, took some boldness. It was a little awkward, but it was amazing. Yeah. I, and I just encourage our people like have courage. Be bold. Yeah. Lean into the awkward. It might be weird if you're saying, can I pray for you right now? And you do it. Yeah. But let's make that less weird and more normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be awesome if that was a part of our church. And that's just going to take courage. Um, and we really believe that God hears our prayers and there's power in prayer. So let's be people of prayer. And, and I would just say, like, all of us would agree when we look out in our world, in our city, we want God to do big things. Yeah. And there are things that we think, all right, if that's going to happen, God, you got to show Like, you got to do that. And here's what I want to be true of us. We believe God can. Amen. There's a chance he might, and there's a greater chance he might through our prayers. Um, so let's just be people of prayer. So Veritas, we love you. Um, we want to plead with you to be, um, be people who pray passionately and a promise uh, You'll love the church you're a part of more if we're people of prayer. Um, Continue to reach out if you want to talk more uh, to any of us on uh, just your own prayer life. We'd love to talk with you. All right, love you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Veritas Equipping Podcast. If you have any questions you would like us to address or ideas on how we can serve you better, please reach out to us by email at info at veritascr.church and put podcast in the subject line.